Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about Vanilla Sky? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. Guess who's back? Back Back again. again. Lolo's back. Oh, <laughs> tell oh, a friend. Ad libbing. Like, I think the last time I heard that song was probably like when I was in high school, maybe. <laughs> like, That's it's funny because it's been a long time. time. For me as well. But yeah. when I was starting the Zoom call, I was going to say that to you when you came on, but then I yeah. didn't. So I'm glad I didn't waste <laughs> it for no one else to hear. <laughs> Perfect. I love yeah. that. So anyway, how are you doing today? I'm good. 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 fresh. So um, I went and I hung out with my parents on, on Thursday and they were like, we saw a terrible movie last night and I was like, what is it? <laughs> They're like, we watched Clue. It was so bad. And I'm like, I love that movie. <laughs> you love that movie? I love that movie. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. You don't like it? No. <laughs> My parents are going to love that. I'm going to tell them that. Yeah. So have you watched it multiple times? Yeah, I've seen it. it. I I own it and everything. I've seen it probably like a dozen times easily. Man. Yeah. Interesting. I love it. It it was one of the Founders movies. That's the first time I'd seen it. So within the last like three years. I think it's funny. You didn't think it's funny? What what is it about it that you didn't like? I thought it was draggy. It didn't excite me. It didn't really make me laugh. Oh man, I thought it was hilarious. There was a lot of people laughing in the theater. So I, and I know other people in my life who like it. I, it's been a while since I've seen it. So I can't remember my specific reasons, but I think draggy and kind of dated and just like the humor wasn't like necessarily up my alley of humor. Oh, I got you. I liked it. I like the dark, like dry humor. That's, that's why I like the movie so much. Yeah. I can appreciate that people do like that kind of humor or like the kind of humor that was in the movie because it's not necessarily the dry humor that because I don't mind dry humor I like British comedies and stuff there's just something that I'd have to see it again to be more specific but I can understand why people do think it's funny it just wasn't like my cup of tea you know yeah or your parents yeah Yeah. or my parents I know they were like oh it was terrible and I think that they were (laughs) expecting me to like agree with them and I was like I started quoting like lines from the movie. I was like, I was like, husbands should be like tissues, soft but disposable. <laughs> I don't even remember that line. <laughs> I love Madeline Kahn and she like her character I think is so funny. Like there's this one point where she's like, she's like, I saw them and, and, and I felt flames, flames, flames on the sides of my face. And I can't remember the rest, but I just, I think she's hilarious. I do like, um, she has a very like mid-Atlantic sort of way of delivering lines. And I yeah. think that that really adds to things. Yeah. I like that accent. It's so old timey. It's very old timey. I agree. I have an enormous cup of coffee. Oh my gosh. Delightful. I know. I can't drink. I started, 
I don't think I'll, I probably won't be able to drink the whole thing. It'll be too much, but yeah, I can't. So I've been having like, if I drink a lot of coffee, uh, multiple days at a time, I get heart palpitations. Oh, that's and good. um and I love coffee. I love it, but I have to pace myself. I I can drink like a thimble full every day, and I don't experience that, you know. And I was casually mentioning it to my mom, and my mom was like, "Oh yeah, when you were really little, your dad had to wear a heart monitor because he was having the same thing." And they actually told him oh, not to shit. drink coffee. <laughs> they really? like the doctors told him not to drink coffee, but he still does. He drinks it all the time. But I was like, "Oh, so maybe it's genetic." So I have to be really cautious in my coffee it's i mean it's just weird it feels weird more than anything else like i was like oh my gosh am i having a heart attack am i dying <laughs> but yeah no i know. could totally understand that i think it would like that would freak me out i'd be like oh my god am i okay what's going on should i go to the hospital what's going on you know yeah so i just i drink like an inch of coffee and then i put milk in it to make it go further and then it's delicious you know <laughs> yeah that's what i do yeah. i put like creamer and like coconut milk so it's mm. good nice good but um, when I made it yesterday, it was like too sweet and it was making me sick because it was like oh. too sugary. So I had to like, I had to put a lot more coffee in there, but it's good. It's okay. I mean, it's yeah. nothing, you know. You'll be buzzing. That's a big old cup. I'm jealous. I'm probably, I don't think I'll be able to drink the whole thing. Yeah. I can tell you I'll probably drink about a third or half and then I'll, I don't know, I might keep it till tomorrow but I don't know if it'll be good tomorrow it might be kind of stale you know yeah so besides coffee we do have recommendations today yes we do, do would you, you like go to first? go first I'll go first yes you should so I started watching the show teenage bounty hunters and I got about like five episodes in but <laughs> the title is funny <laughs> it's like surprisingly one of those shows where um I was like this could either be like really stupid or it could be ingenious and um I have to say that within like the first two or three episodes there were parts where I was like out loud cackling so it was it's just it's like about these two teenage girls obviously and they're twins they're like fraternal twins and um they accidentally help a guy catch uh a a criminal (laughs) and they kind of like they kind of like half blackmail him, like half convince him to like let them work with him. So it's all about them working with this dude and like and and catching these criminals. But they're like, some of them are like white collar criminals. So they're like people are not white collar criminals, I should say, but they're um, kind of like upstanding citizens, you know. Okay. And so they're people that are working or that are like the fathers of like their friends so they have oh. so, yeah so it's it's uh i mean it's i wouldn't say it's that anything extraordinary but it was fun it actually sounds it. pretty fun it yeah. sounds like it sounds like a it would be a good like book series that i would have enjoyed as a teenager or something yeah, yeah yeah and it's it's not it's not anything where it's like really ridiculous or you can't actually see it happening you know you're kind of like okay that makes sense you know it makes sense that this would happen that way it's not like they're like suddenly spies like stumbling onto like some international like you know crime syndicate or whatever right Um, and I like to that uh well I had I'd sent you that that thing about (laughs) how they're like top five hottest guys in our school and they're like 
and, and what was that? The one they're like, oh yeah, so and so's like really hot, and the other one's like spooky hot. Like he's dying of like an old timey disease. <laughs> and her sister goes, yeah, but that's what I like about him. And I was like, wow, that's me. <laughs> that's totally me. <laughs> like thinking someone is hot because they look like they're dying from an old timey disease. It almost is like they have a camera in your apartment and they're listening to things you say. <laughs> I know. Because like how many times have I been like, I'm attracted to Sebastian Stan, but only when he looks like he's been on a week bender and hasn't bathed in three days. <laughs> like, like, I need him a little gaunt. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, wow, he looks like he has been doing heroin for the last five days. And I'm going to tell you, that is attractive. <laughs> the so, pre-rehab look is what Lauren is going for. Yeah, not so is, much. You know, once he gets all clean cut, I'm like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I do know what you mean about him, though. Like, I think he has he's one of the few people who has two different looks and they are different levels of attractiveness. So yeah. this is the one time one time that we'll probably agree on attractive men. <laughs> when he's a little bit more scruffy, he's he's a, he looks a little bit more attractive than when he's like totally clean cut and like goody goody because he looks like a goody two shoes when he's clean cut but yeah he looks like somebody approachable when he's not yeah no exactly like it, he looks like because he was in uh gossip girl so in his in gossip girl he always looked like he was super put together and everything and kind of snobby looking mm -hmm. so yeah. i think yeah you know the differences between i'm like okay yeah when he he looks like he's been on a bender I'm like, I'm feeling this. I'm definitely feeling this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, for once in our long friendship, we're on the same page. <laughs> That's crazy. That never I happened. know. I Mark know. it down. Mark yeah. it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So what is your recommendation? Well, my recommendation, or wait, is yours like a Netflix show? Is it like a Netflix original? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay. Yep. So yeah, mine is also a Netflix original and it's a documentary and it's called Challenger, the final flight. And okay. it's about the space shuttle Challenger, the disaster. And it's, it's really cool. It's produced by JJ Abrams actually, which I didn't know until I started watching it, but it makes sense because the quality is very, very good. And it's just awesome. Like, I don't know if I can put into words how obsessed I was with the Challenger when I was in fourth grade and I learned about what happened, but I was obsessed. Like I went to the library and I made like photocopies of news articles and stuff. And I just voraciously read anything I could about it. And this documentary, I would have loved, like there's so much archival footage and I love a good documentary and I love archival footage and obviously, since this happened in the 80s, there's just like, they probably had just piles of tape to choose from, which is so cool. And part of me is like, <laughs> very excited for fourth grade Samantha, because she would have <laughs> loved this. Like, it has all the footage that she wanted, but never saw. And so it makes me happy that her and I both get to see it. Now. <laughs> this reminds me, this reminds me of, of Anna Cat from American Housewife. <laughs> Oh, it's just, I mean, it's, it's so well made. And <laughs> if you are interested in the space program or just documentaries in general, I would highly recommend it. But I also like, it took me down like a deep dive of watching shuttle launches 
<laughs> which I wish I could have seen. I mean, I know that they're oh, still dude. sending people into space, so there's still an opportunity to see a launch, but I just, you know, the bygone era that we won't get to see in person. But I would, you know what? I think right now we've all lost our ability to be in awe of things because everything is at our fingertips. Yeah. So look up a shuttle launch and remember what it's like to be in awe of something, you know, like remember when we, when you wanted answers, you actually had to like wait for them and stuff, you know, but now everything is available to us all the time. And I just, I think we need to get back to that like feeling of like, Oh wow. You know? Yeah. So I, I, um, it's funny that you say that because I was watching like one of those crime shows that I watch and it was one of those that has like the shitty reenactments because they're so garbage and I just watch all of them (laughs) and like, (laughs) like, and, but it looked really modern. So someone was asking someone a question and I was like, I was like immediately annoyed. I'm like, you can't just Google it, (laughs) you know, like, and then then they're like, in 1978, she was, and I was like, oh, okay. You know what? Google wasn't a thing then. I take that back. Um, Okay. I have another one. Okay. Um, So speaking of going into space, I really liked the show Cosmos, not the the Carl Sagan. It was like a remake of the Carl Sagan one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And as it turns out, they actually made a second and a third season. And I'm like, who's going to binge watch them? (laughs) (laughs) It's a very... Neil deGrasse Tyson's got such a nice and like soothing voice, you know? So you're like listening him talk about all these like different things that are going on in the universe and the world. And, um, you know, from like a microscopic level to like a huge like celestial level. And it's interesting and it's beautifully done. So it's like very like visually and aesthetically appealing. And it's a nice little documentary series, you know? about outer Mm -hmm. space and about like what's going on like even in our bodies and everything like that and i'd recommend that one yeah that sounds interesting that sounds cool it's it's very like soothing and relaxing it's a good show to watch when you want to wind down okay yeah is that streaming yeah it's on hulu okay it looks like it's i don't know if Okay, it looks like only season three is on Hulu. So I know that they were on Netflix, though. So yeah, that's what. Anyway, yeah. I oh, that sounds interesting. That sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah, and he's great. I like him a lot. He's an interesting, very compelling, and very intelligent guy. So. Yeah. And yeah, he works with Carl Sagan too. Like I was gonna he, say, I thought that yeah. he, he's like a scientist, right? Yeah, he's an astrophysicist. Yeah. yeah. So he like knows what he's talking about. You're not and it's 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 produced by Seth MacFarlane, which I was a little bit like, ugh, that fucking guy. But because <laughs> <laughs> right. Seth MacFarlane is very problematic in, you know, his portrayal of women and stuff like that in his shows. But um no, it's not it's not gross or anything. It's, it's very scientific, but yeah. in a, it's presented in a way where the common man can understand what's going on, you know? Yeah. That, no, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like science, stuff like that. I love it. It's so good. Do you have any more? I actually don't. You don't? Okay. <laughs> no. um, I was going to say one other uh, recommendation that I have, and that's the Twilight Zone. Um, the fifties and sixties one I've seen like 
maybe one of the 80s, but I've seen probably almost, I would say at least like probably half of the Twilight Zone of the 50s and 60s ones. My sister and I used to watch when we were younger. Yeah. And um, my my favorite are the kind that have like ironic twists of fate, you know? <laughs> so it's like one of those things where this person's like, I want this, but then the thing that they want so badly ends up screwing them over in the end. And oh, those are the yeah. kind that I like, yeah. Because I'm just like, you shouldn't have been greedy. You shouldn't have been greedy because that's yeah. what happens when you're greedy, you know? It's a cautionary tale. Exactly. So that's also one that I'd recommend. And that one is on Hulu. Yeah. Oh. I know. I know that the older ones are on. Like my kids yeah. put them on in the background when we're hanging out, but um, they're yeah, very hit or miss though. Yeah, I yeah. I agree with you. Like some of them are skippable. Some of them for are sure. really well done, and then others you're like, Ugh. oh yeah, I guess that was an episode. <laughs> you, know, <when> you're <laughs> like, you know, like you're like, like did Ugh. I watch an episode? Like, I, I mean, know. it was okay, but it wasn't. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna write home about it or whatever. Right. No, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. And that's it. Are you ready to talk about the movie? I am. Oh my god. Va- okay. Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. So what is this movie about ice cream? I don't know. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> so I told Sam, because I have the movie and I've seen it a bunch of times. Um, I was like, when you finish it, send me an emoji or a, a gif. And she sent me a gif of someone tapping on a bell, like at a receptionist desk. And I yeah. want to know what that means. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. I'll tell you what it means right now. Okay. Okay. Taxapart. <laughs> oh, okay. Taxapart. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was hoping more that it was like, in em- like your emotions over it. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm sorry that I disappointed you. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I had to think about this one. Okay. I had to think about this movie after I saw it. I, I, I wasn't able to quantify my emotions right away. And I'm glad that I watched it when I did. So I had a couple days to think about it because there's stuff in it that I really enjoyed and there's stuff in it that I did not enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I had to find a way to bridge the gap and make it a cohesive, like, well, how do I feel about the movie? Because it's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, when it's good, it's really good. And when it's not as good, I have some qualms about it. So, okay, well, let's yeah. get into it. Let's get yeah. into do it. Yeah, you, I mean, I assume you like it because you own it. Yeah, I do like it. I have to say, though, um, I definitely liked it a lot more when I was younger. Watching it now, I was like, okay, I still enjoy it. But I, if I had seen it now for the first time, I don't think I would have liked it as much. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean because when I was watching it, I could feel that 21-year-old Samantha probably would have loved it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was almost certain. I was like, if I had seen this, I don't know why I didn't see it. I can't remember my reasons. I remember when it came out. I remember the trailer. Um, for some reason, it just always eluded, like evaded me, but um, right. I know I would have really liked it as a, yeah. as a younger person. And and maybe it's just because watching it now, like, we've got so many more movies under our belt. Yeah. That it's not the shock value it doesn't shock anymore. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, 
I mean, and I, I think there's other movies that do like the whole like mind fuckery thing a little bit better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because- I agree. Yeah, when I first saw this movie, I was like, whoa, the ending is like totally not what I expected. And yeah, I mean, obviously I knew what was going to happen in this one. But after re-watching it this time, I was like, if I had seen this for the first time now, I probably would have picked up almost right away what was going to happen. You yeah, know? pretty much. Yeah. To an extent, I knew what was going on. I thought he was probably in a coma. Mm-hmm. Which I guess technically, what's the difference? But, um, like when we were watch, I watched it with Mike, and when yeah. the car went over the bridge and hit the wall, I said to him, "If at the end of this he's in a coma, I'm gonna be pissed. Like if this was all a coma <laughs> dream, I'm gonna be pissed." And, I mean, on one hand, I have to say I give the director credit for being a little bit more, more slightly more creative than a coma dream, but on the other hand. I'm not fully on board with like the outcome, but well, it's we can actually not even him. It's cause it's a remake. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, that's true. It is yeah. like, I kind of want to see the original, the Spanish, Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of want to see the, the Spanish version because I wonder if maybe, um, maybe I would have bought it, like bought into the whole thing a little bit better. Cause I assume that the original is probably, closer to the original vision you know right right um so i'm curious about the original have you ever seen it i saw parts of it but it was so i liked vanilla sky so much when i did watch it and this was when i was in my 20s that i didn't finish it because i was like it's it's pretty much like vanilla sky from what i remember it was so similar to the original that like it was almost kind of like frame for frame oh really yeah almost from what i remember so just take that with a grain of salt this was like 10 years ago sure um because i remember i lived on the other side of the state um so that was over 10 years ago when i saw it so my memory's not great for almost 10 years (laughs) (laughs) we have been friends for a long time yeah isn't that crazy isn't that nuts? Oh, so this, okay, so Vanilla Sky came out in 2001, which is about the time I thought that it came out, so. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about, um, <laughs> like, our frustration with how there are so many early 2000s movies and late 90s movies that for some reason are all over, like, two hours long. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, and I, I, you hit it right on the head when you were telling me that, like, oh, I know it's like a 90s, early 2000s length, and it's so true. Yeah. Like, there's like 90s sex scenes, and then there's late 90s, early 2000s. I have too much to say for an hour and 45 minutes, so let's make it two and a half hours. And yeah. Then there's, you know? Yeah, so, I know. And it's, yeah. it's, there, there's a fine line between like, okay, now I'm getting bored because there are certain movies where, having it be like three hours long is fine. Like, like I feel like Lord of the Rings is a good one is a good example for that because from, from as far as I know, the source material is so vast that you can't really even include everything in there. But um, yeah, no, there's just something where I'm just like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think the captivation factor is important. Like, I never got bored during Vanilla Sky. Right. 
so it wasn't too long for me it wasn't like legends of the fall i was like when oh my is God. this going to end but um legends so of the fall was painful yeah <laughs> i was captivated throughout vanilla sky even though i was pretty certain that i was going to be disappointed in, in like the outcome but um i still i think like tom cruise did a really good job and the story was like really bizarre in some parts but also really beautiful in other parts and this actually reminded me i said this after it ended because like i told you just moments ago that my 21 year old self would have loved it if i would have seen this at 21 i know 100 with 100 certainty that i would have bought it and i would have watched all of the tom cruise penelope Tom and Penelope Cruz <laughs> scenes and like fast forwarded through the rest because that's what I would do like if I if I saw a movie and there was like a couple scenes that were really captivating I would buy it and right. I would watch those scenes every once in a while and who cares about the rest of the movie so, right well then they had such good chemistry too well they yeah. dated like I think for a, a long time after yeah. this movie yeah mm-hmm. um and, you know, I mean, and then Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise went on to make, like, some movies of their own with, like, yes. Night and Day. Night yeah. Day. Yeah. yeah. Um, what a difference, though. So let's, like, let's start talking about the movie. Yes. Let's so, get into it. Let's get into it. So, okay. Um, so, you know, we see him from the beginning. He's, like, in a prison, and he's wearing a creepy-ass mask, um, which, like, <laughs> when the the uh the surgeons were like okay here we have this thing that's it's it's this great thing it's this great thing for you and uh they presented him with the mask i was like how is the mask if he goes out in society like and i'm kind of jumping forward but it it fucking really bothered me because it was like how is the mask like so much more acceptable and going out in like society than just like a face that has like a deformity you know what i mean or not a deformity but a um um i don't know what would you call it not a deformity but a i guess i would have called it a deform a deformity as well just because i don't know i mean he was deformed because he was in the accident right it wasn't a deformity he was born with obviously it was just a facial i don't know injury i don't know yeah um but I I mean, if I had seen a guy wearing a mask like that, I would have like walked the other way, you know, like there's, yeah. there's no way that I would have been like, this is fine, but like your face is not okay. You know, like, no. <laughs> yeah. Just- I thought that was really strange. And I wasn't sure if they were trying, like the doctor was like, it's, like he seemed to imply that it would help his face heal as well. And I didn't understand that whole aspect of it. And like, I agree. How insulting, like your face is hideous. Put this mask on. It will make you feel better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I no, don't, it's scary. Yeah, don't, it's yeah. It's super terrifying. And also like, if you're seeing a person walk around with a mask, your first thought isn't, Oh, they've got something wrong with their face. It's, what are they gonna do yeah this person is gonna commit like a a murder (laughs) or a bank robbery or something yeah like they're going out with a mask so that no one can identify them you know Mm -hmm. yeah so i i was just like what (laughs) i'm like even when i watched the movie when i was in my 20s i was like 
what is wrong with you guys? You know, like it was just, yeah, it was so odd. But anyway, so we see him in a prison and he's talking to his uh, psychologist. Curtis McCabe is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, played by Kurt Russell. Played by Kurt Russell. Yeah. I didn't know he was a psychologist at first. Mm-hmm. Did they reveal that right away? Because I thought he was his lawyer until the middle of the movie when he says, I'm just a psychologist. Is that something that I missed early yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, you missed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, so yeah, he is a psychologist because what he is doing is he's evaluating David's mental health to see if he was like not, you know, um, if he was kind of out of his mind, I guess, when he committed this murder. Oh, okay. We don't know who he's killed yet. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was right. another, like, that was something that was stressful because I was like, oh my gosh, did he kill Penelope Cruz? Who did he kill? You know? Right. And, yeah. 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 So you don't know who he killed. He's murdered someone, but you haven't found that out yet. And um, the next scene is him waking up beside uh, Cameron Diaz's character, Julie. Right. So how did you feel about Julie? Actually, I'm glad you brought up Julie. Well, of course you would bring up Julie because she was a big part of the movie. But last week we were talking about how we didn't really like love triangles or maybe two weeks ago we were talking about love triangles. So this is a good example of a love triangle triangle done really well because he's like a play. You can kind of tell he's a playboy, but maybe not because he like gets in the car with Jason Lee a little bit later and he seems like he's kind of genuine um, he doesn't seem like an evil guy. And right. So Julie, anyway, him and Julie, and he's like, he seems like he likes her enough, but he doesn't really want to be in a relationship with her, which is apparent. So anyway, so she says like, oh, you know, he, he says something like, how's your cold? And she's like, oh, I still feel sick. How's yours? And he's like, oh, I still feel sick. And she goes, well, next time, or maybe you know i can't wait to bring you chip chicken soap chicken soap i can't wait to bring you chicken soup and sleep with you again you know and and they have kind of this like cute flirtation but it's not like you can tell like at that point i couldn't really tell that she liked him more than he liked her i could just tell that they had an it seemed like they both had a mutual understanding that they were like sleeping together but i right. thought they were going to i thought they were kind of in a relationship until he right. Until he got in the car with Jason Lee and he was like, we're friends, but sometimes we sleep together. And I was like, okay, they have this casual arrangement. And at that moment, I didn't really think that Julie was going to be like crazy or anything, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, So you never really get into like what Julie does for a living other than she auditions for things. So I'm assuming an actress. Um. And I always liked that that scene where she's like, she's like, Juliana here. She's like, oh, so-and-so, I missed my audition. I lost my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. Like when I was in my 20s, I would quote that all the time. <laughs> I loved it. Like it's just so like cute and like flirtatious and like, you know what I mean? And she's just like, oh, I was whisked away by romance. And you know what I mean? Um, so I have I have a lot of conflicting feelings about Julie and I think when I was younger 
Um, and I mean, we'll get more into the story, but when I was younger, I just kind of thought she was like crazy. But as I grown older and I've had my own experiences with romance and love, I, I don't think she's not crazy. I definitely feel like sorry for her and I empathize with her on a level. Um, but like at the same time, like Julie, like she needs to walk away from this situation. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, so, so he's, he's working with, uh, Brian Shelby is, is, is Jason Lee's character's name. And I do not like Brian Shelby. <laughs> I think he's really whiny and really annoying. And he's always like, woe is me. Everyone likes my friend and not me. And I'm like, Jason Lee is not an unattractive guy. He's not a bad looking guy. You know, I think he's cute. I, I think he's actually movie. like cuter than Tom Cruise. I do too, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, especially in this movie. Like, I yeah. like that he's got like the messy hair and he has the beard. Um, yeah, he's much he's, more attractive. But his personality is really what like kills it for me because he's so like, oh, everyone likes you and no one likes me. And he's always like putting women on a pedestal that I feel feel like is really unrealistic you know like he's like oh she's my dream girl and I'm like what does that mean that actually I thought the same thing um because he kind of reminds me of somebody who like he thinks women are just like too snotty and would never go out with him because they're too snotty when really he's like pushing women away so it's not women it's no. like his attitude towards women. Like I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit because I'm glad you brought it up because so he brought Penelope, he brings Penelope Cruz to the party. Right. And this is actually kind of a sad story as well. I'm going to get back to Julie because I think there's a lot that I want to talk about about this whole first thing because I I really just to preface, I really liked it. I really liked how the first part of the movie was done in that regard. So this is also kind of sad. So he, he obviously has some insecurities and he likes Penelope Cruz. They met randomly that afternoon. So he brought her to, to Tom Cruise's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And what's Tom Cruise's name in this? David. David. So he brings Sophia, Sophia. Yep. Sophia to David's birthday party. And it's in like his super nice, fancy New York apartment. And so Brian can tell that there's a spark between them, I think. Mm-hmm. But instead of like just being himself and being confident and staying with Sophia, he like leaves her with, with David. And yeah. Sophia's like, well, let me leave. Cause I came with you. So Sophia is like not a piece of shit. <laughs> you know, she's like, I came to this party with you. I'm going to leave with you. Even though she has sparks with David, she's not like, I like how you're like, she's not a piece of shit. <laughs> like I understand that, you know, she didn't know Brian. She didn't know David. So she didn't know that she wasn't going to have spark. You know, she was going to have sparks with David, but she at least had the character to say like, well, I'll leave with you. And then he was like, no, you stay. And I thought, well, you see, you, you've given up any like fight you had to be angry at this situation because you just gave up. Like you right. think she doesn't like you, but you're giving up on her. So that kind of like, I like that because it's sad. Like it's sad that his confidence is so low. And also David is such a magnet because he's like rich and successful and and he is handsome. So I'm sure he does get a lot more women than Brian, but that doesn't mean that Brian can't have his fair share of women, you know? Also like, so they is, so Sophia and David meet 
and Brian Shelby. And I'm going to call him that because it's the name of both my father and my sister. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always remember that. Okay. So Brian Shelby is, um, he's like, or he's standing there and he's watching them talk and he's like, still talking to them and he's like oh you're both ignoring me okay so i'm just gonna stand here okay i'm just gonna you know like just gonna keep talking while you both are ignoring me and the more that he did that the more i was just like go get a drink then like go walk away take a minute to yourself like but the fact that he was kind of inserting himself in this situation and he was getting frustrated that sophia wasn't paying attention to him really it, it very much annoyed me because i i felt like brian shelby had the capacity to be a charming and interesting person but all he wanted to do was just be like oh well women just don't like me blah 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 and it's like you're putting yourself in a situation where women don't like you because you're just constantly putting yourself down yeah and yeah no, you're right women don't like that women don't want to be around a guy who who it is I mean, I've met men like that in my own life where they're like, women don't like me because like I'm ugly or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, you're not ugly, first of all. So calm down. And secondly, like if you're always putting yourself down, it, it the laws of attraction are based on someone who feels good about themselves and who is confident in themselves. Like me, I've always pretty much had luck with men and I'm, you know, a bigger girl, but I'm confident, you know? So it's like, it's, it's just, it's all about what the vibe that you give off to the universe and women pick up on that. So if you're going to be a whiny little bitch, <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, that guy's a whiny little bitch. <laughs> Stay away from him. I yeah. also question why he would bring somebody he really liked to a place that was going to make him so insecure. Like, can't yeah. you just make a date with her two nights from then? where you're not going to introduce her to this friend that you're insecure around. And you know what I mean? Like, I have a theory about that. I think it's kind of like he's showing her off. Oh, like, that makes sense. Yeah. Because sense. remember he really liked Julie. He was like, Julie's my dream girl. Yeah. Oh, she's my dream girl. And he's like, you slept with Julie Gianni. What? And, and so it's almost like he's like, oh, look, David, I can also get pretty women. Yeah, and you're right. I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said because I don't want it to get buried. I okay. agree with you that I don't actually, I don't think Julie is 100% crazy. I think she, <laughs> you know, like driving your car off a bridge because of like insane jealousy is is kind of like, whoa, that's not good behavior. But I think in this instance, it's really heartbreaking to want to be with somebody who has no interest in being with you, but they're okay sleeping with you. Yeah. And I think that that arrangement for some people can work really well, but you both have to be very careful. And yeah. um, I think it's it's a good picture of somebody who lies to themselves and lies to their partner who's like, yeah, I'm totally cool with the casual thing, but they're actually not cool with the casual thing because- she started, she had real feelings for him. Right. And he, I don't think he's like, I don't think he's a bad guy, but I think he, David, just didn't have those feelings for her, but she was willing to, you know, like sleep with him casually because she liked him. And so right. her story is really sad because it's, 
it's almost like through no fault of their own, they cause this destruction, like unknowingly almost, you know? Right. And I, well, I think that they, I think that what David thought was that they had an agreement that okay, yes. we're, we're just going to sleep together. That's, that's it. End of story. Because he has this party where he has a lot of uh, friends, um, like publishers and stuff like that, where, that he works with and, and, um, and he purposefully does not invite Julie and, you know, he's like going into his bedroom. Hi, buddy. Little kitty. (laughs) He's going into his bedroom and he sees a dress on his bed or or a dress on like something that he has and, and he knows that it's Julie's dress, you know, and she's like in the other room, like wrapped up in his duvet and naked and, and he's like, what are you doing here? She's like, I just wanted to see you. And then he goes, well, you're not, I didn't invite you to this party. And it was just so clearly like, okay, so it's fine for you to like stick your penis inside me, but I can't hang out with your friends. Like what the fuck? It's, <laughs> you know, it's pretty sad. Like yeah. from her perspective, I feel, I feel really sad for her. And I, I think we've all been maybe not quite that severely, but I think everybody has been in an experience like that where you like someone in a way that they just don't like you back and you try so hard, right? you try so hard and you can't figure out why, like why you feel so strongly, but the other person doesn't. And I think that's a really well told story. They did, they did a really good job telling that story and making her seem like, like, um, I could be, I empathized with her in that moment. Yeah, big you know? time. And she could see, like, she was intuitive. So she picked up that when he met Sophia, yeah. they had a connection because she brought right. it up. She said, like, you know, I'm, I know you, you were talking to that brunette woman, and I know that our little chicken soup, you know, sexual escapades are going to come to an end. And so she could tell that there was like the writing was on the wall. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, and then Sophia and David like hit it off and are kind of running around like his enormous home, which is <laughs> multiple stories. I mean, I can't even imagine how expensive that is in Manhattan. And, uh, and I do have to talk to you about the part where they kiss, where Sophia and David kiss, because I always thought, even when I was in my 20s, that the way that it was um, directed looked like he was like, <laughs> just like like it was like the weirdest kiss do you know what i'm talking about when they were on her couch the way the, yeah like no 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 like like he's leaving and she's like come over here i have a secret to tell you uh-huh. and he and he she kisses him and it's just very oddly done did hmm. you notice that no i didn't i have a, i actually have a lot to say about that scene so you say what you want about the kiss and then but i i didn't think it That's was it. It's all him. oh okay yeah i love that i didn't I think love- it was awkward i thought it was weirdly di- i thought the the um angle was very weird oh see i i thought it was i thought it worked because it was like a surprise kiss like it was it was spontaneous almost so they weren't in the right angle so i'd have to watch it again with that thought in mind right. but um i have a lot to say about that whole thing i really really liked it so as sad as i felt for julia julie 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 yeah 
Um, I, she does refer to herself as Juliana, but Juliana. Okay. I also don't think that David is a piece of shit because I think, like you said, he thought they had an arrangement. And even when she was in the right. bedroom, even though there was like so much subtext in what Julie was saying, like, like she didn't want to give up on their like little escapades, but she she was kind of letting him go because I think that's just another example of her being like, I'm cool. I can handle this, even though deep down she really couldn't. But right. I think from his perspective, she was, you know, like they had an arrangement and they weren't in a relationship. And so I don't necessarily think he's a bad person or a cheater or anything. I think he makes bad decisions. You know, he probably shouldn't have been in like that sort of situation with her because it caused so many problems. Right. But I, no, really, I, don't, I don't think he's the bad guy in this situation either. I think it sounds like he just went, okay, yeah, this is our our situation. We're just sleeping together and that's all he thought it was. Yes. But anyway, go on. What were you saying? So, no. So I just, I think like, I really, really, really love that whole interlude. I love that him and Penelope Cruz hit it off and they knew mm-hmm. they were hitting it off. I didn't care, like we said, for Brian being like, no, you you go ahead. You know, I didn't like that because I thought like, Brian, stick up for yourself. But it doesn't matter. They had sparks. They hit it off. And I really like that. And I like that she took him back to her apartment. And he was so, he was like in awe and wonder about her life. Like her whole life was just this like mystery to him. Mm -hmm. And then they spent the whole evening, like the whole night together until the sun came up. And they were just like talking and watching TV and, and like, starting to cuddle a little bit and it was just so i mean like i'm gonna sound like a girl but it was so romantic and it was so beautiful no it totally is and i think i feel like this movie so well captures that feeling of falling in love with somebody where you're like up all night with them and you're hanging out and you're hitting it off and you're just so fascinated by this new life this new person who has like interest and and a life outside of you and, and you just want to be a part of it so badly and you're just it's just so it's so beautifully done I can't talk about it enough like I would have watched I could watch that over and like I'm getting emotional thinking about it like I could watch <laughs> that scene over and over again because I I've rarely seen that done in a movie where it's just done so beautifully and the emotions are so fresh and and he walks out of the apartment and the sun is rising and she and then it shows her in her apartment and she sort of dances around giddily and yeah. i just i really 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 love that and and i thought their kiss was romantic because it was sort of off the cuff so the right. angle didn't bother me so much but i'll have to watch it like with that in mind but but i just i really liked that and i had a question for you is well, I, wait, I do want to say um i love the pictures that were on her uh fridge yes i thought i love that like there's like the one where she's like lying in bed but she's like flirtatiously like looking at the camera and there's like someone else lying beside her and then um like dancing and then she's with her family or what you kind of assume is her parents or whatever uh and it's it's very it's like what you said it's like looking into a window at someone else's life and kind of like you're not really necessarily part of that part of their life but you get to also enjoy it because you're seeing this you know happy beautiful girl um just in these little snapshots 
of her and, and kind of shows like who she is, who she is as a person, which is a very upbeat, happy girl, you know? Um, but yeah, what were you saying? What was your question? Well, my question was something question. that I didn't fully understand. I mean, I could kind of get it, but so it goes back like in the middle of this episode, like moment, it goes back to him in the jail cell talking to Kurt Russell. And he says, he's a pleasure delayer because mm -hmm. Kurt Russell is kind of like incredulous that they didn't have sex. And like, I'm glad they didn't have sex because I think that would have ruined like the innocent romance of them, like actually falling yeah. in love. But he said, well, I'm a pleasure delayer. So I put it off and put it off and put it off. And I wasn't really sure what that meant. Cause like, even after he left her apartment, she called after him pleasure delayer. And I was wondering if you could shed some light on that because I, I kind of thought that ruined the moment because I was like, okay, so, I mean, like, obviously they probably wanted to have sex with each other, but I, in my mind, I was like, they're, they're like infatuated with the idea of like getting to know each other and like having fun together. And then when she called out pleasure delayer, I was like, I don't, I don't fully get that. I don't understand calling it out like that. Like, I understand if it's both in their head, like in the back of their heads, but I'm not sure if I well, understood and it, the meaning. It seems to me first of all the fact that she even like knew what that word like it, to me pleasure delayer was not like a everyday used term that's something you know you you or i would use you know what i mean it seemed like specifically a david term yeah you know, he created that term right um that's so i I never liked that she called out pleasure delayer because yeah. I always felt like it was like not like I was like why would she know what that is? You I know, like the why same, would she know that? It you know, kind of ruined you know? like for one brief second it kind of it, ruined it for me for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I totally I totally agree with that. Um I think it's the type of thing where he's getting to know someone and he's wants to build up the sexual tension to the point where neither of them can stand it and then once they it's built up so much that they're finally like, let's do it. It's like the best thing ever because they've been waiting for so long that now they're like getting together. But it, it, but I, it, it just, the, just the way that that whole scene went, it seemed very weird that she would say like, oh, pleasure delayer, you know? Yeah. To me. Unless there's a deleted scene somewhere where he's telling her that he's a pleasure delayer, so then she's calling it back at the end of the night. But otherwise, it made no sense to me, and it made me think, and I don't know if this, I, I inferred a lot in that one tiny phrase. I inferred a lot, and I thought, does that mean he, like, dumps them after he has sex with them? Like, is that why he delays pleasure? Because once he's had sex with them, he throws them away like used garbage? Or what's, that's why I hate, I hate the term, because it makes me feel like the relationship, they're not falling in love. He's just putting off having sex so he doesn't get sick of her. Am I... No, I think that you're, I think you're spot on. I think that it's like, because he, he kind of, he kind of implies that he's like a playboy, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and, um, he, it sounds to me, his whole game is the fun of, Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go off on a tangent. I met someone once who I can't remember their name, but they 
were like really into the idea of like building like a relationship with someone, a relationship with a woman, and then having sex with a woman, and then just completely cutting it off. Like it was really fucked up. Like I never saw the guy again after he told me that. And he, he was like, oh, you great, that? you're going to tell all your friends. Like, what? He told me that. Were and you guys like, great, like- now you're going to tell all your friends. Like, it was like, that was like his thing, is that he liked to build this emotional relationship. It was a really fucked up story. Like, this was a real person. He goes, great, now you're going to tell all your friends. And I was like, of course I'm going to tell all my friends. Why would I want? I was like, I got to protect my girls from men like you. And I said that to him and I never saw him again. Well, that's but like he a like sociopath. would insert himself in these. Oh yeah, no, it was definitely, <laughs> it, was, it was really like, it was messed up. Now that kind of just reminded me of kind of what David does. Now, I don't think he does it to the level that that dude did that I met, but um enough where it reminded me enough of it where he's like into the idea of kind of building some sort of like relationship with a woman and then they sleep together and then he's like well we've done that and now I've lost interest so yeah I that's just, how I view it I, I like the emotions I have at that one line are as strong as the emotions I have about how beautiful that whole scene was like I hate it. I hate that yeah. line because it does make him seem like too. a piece of shit. Like, and I, and I, and it yeah. paints like for me just a little bit, it taints how beautifully they captured the emotions of falling in love with a new person. It, I, I totally agree. I think that that if they had just not included that line at all, it would have made a world of difference to that scene. I totally um, agree. Like, because it does make him seem like he's really shitty. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't, I just don't like it. It doesn't fit the tone. Cause I already like, you don't have to tell me he's a kind of a playboy. I know he's kind right. of a playboy. We see it. And then he kind of seems like he's inspired to turn over a new leaf because he's like, and he even says work. that to her. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like strutting and she's out. Like, she says like every day is a new chance to start something new or, or something along those lines. So you have this you know, this, this beautiful young woman who is like inspiring him to want to be a better person, but then she calls out the like pleasure delayer. So then you're like, okay, so you just took two steps forward, but you, then you took 10 steps back Yes, with yes. the pleasure delayer thing. Yes. Yeah. I, no, I, I totally agree with that. I think it's really weird. Super weird. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. you know, um, that moment I didn't like, but then so he leaves the apartment and the sun is rising and it's back to being like feeling good. Like I, I'm like, I just love how they captured that emotion. Like everything's new and fresh. And, and then Julie pulls up in her car when he's getting in his car. So she's like stalking him basically at Sophia's yeah, house. And, they're, and I have to say they're playing Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel. And I fucking love that song. <laughs> That's a great song. Like every time I hear that song, I'm like, I love it. I fucking love this song. You know? Yeah, that song <laughs> Every is in the time. trailer. Yeah. 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 Um, so she pulls up and he's like, Are you stalking me? And she's like, uh, Yes. <laughs> like pretty yeah, much she, agree. Yeah, she pretty she much doesn't hide yes. it. Which I I don't really get why he got into the car with her. I felt me neither. Like that was a weird choice i feel like if i was in his shoes i would have not gotten i would have been like you know what i have a lot of shit i gotta do julie uh we can talk later you the know the thing like- is like i think he 
he lacks a maturity that I feel like a trust fund baby may lack where he could have done super I mean it wouldn't have been a movie but if this was like just communicate just stand there and say look Julie what we had was fun but we're not going to be in a relationship I'm really sorry that you may have thought otherwise um but you know I wish you well I'm, I like spending time with you, but I think we're going to have to just stop. Right. And then, yeah, she would have been upset, but then he wouldn't have like, you know, gotten in an accident and been disfigured and, right. you know, right. so I just, I think that's accurate for his character because he was immature in certain ways and he used people and he used women. And so I think it kind of makes sense that he, his character wouldn't do that, but it's kind of frustrating that he did, couldn't just be an adult about it, you know? Right. Well, yeah. And so he gets in the car with her and she's like, like everything seems fine with them. You know, she's just like, she's talking and she's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then she starts getting really serious and really into it and starts making a lot of dumb like decisions as she's driving. Um, like covering her face for like a full three seconds, you know? (laughs) Um, And she's like, she says stuff like, you know, when you have sex with someone, your body makes a promises that like you can't help or something like that along those lines. And I, I really, I felt for her in that part because there was clearly like, she was very upset that he pretty much had sex with her. And then that same day he's going off with Sophia and you know she doesn't know what they did except for she does say like oh I can tell by the way you're walking that you didn't have sex with her um but to me it's a huge red flag that and again I empathize with Julie but it's a huge red flag that she followed him and essentially you kind of guess that she waited outside Sophia's apartment for him to come out so she waited there all night for this guy and then he decides to get into the car with her like yeah why would you do that you know I agree I agree um yeah and she's like driving really erratically like going through red lights and he's like let's pull over the he's like let's pull over the car and then he says just like out of desperation he says I love you but by then it's too late right yeah and yeah. then she drives was, off I, mean, I i get like his i get his response to that because it's obviously like, like a survivalist well yeah technique, it's like you know it's yeah, like, like you're like a hostage situation yeah exactly like he knows like if she makes a wrong turn he might die so he doesn't know what she's doing she's behaving extremely erratically and basically what happens is drives off the bridge well a bridge it's like a bridge over a road and smashes right into a wall and the ground and kills herself and like the you know the point was to commit suicide and murder at the same time you know yeah and this Um, was the point in the movie where looking back once i finished the movie that was the point where i started being more indifferent about the movie um i think that the emotions like Mm -hmm. i can't express enough times how well the emotions of the first act were and it upset me that the rest of the movie didn't match that it was like i don't know it was almost as if they were like 
well, we got to finish this. So let's not put the same care into it. And I think the second act right. still had some highlights, but I thought that it slowly started going slightly, like steadily in a different direction for me that I didn't like as much, but I still, you know, the right. movie is basically a sci-fi movie disguised as like a normal movie. And I think that for that reason, it takes some turns that maybe if they decided not to have the sci-fi element, it wouldn't have taken with the right. emotions of the people. I don't know if I'm describing that right. But. Well, I actually wanted to talk about, um, so Cameron Crowe directs it and I've, I think I've, I don't know if I've seen his other stuff. I've seen Elizabeth Town and I've seen um, Almost Famous. And Cameron Crowe is very good at building emotional relationships yes. between characters. He's, He's so good very, at it. Very, very good at that. And I appreciate the fucking shit out of that because there's a I lot agree. of directors out there who could really take a leaf out of his book. Um, and he, and you are totally right it's as I've said when I was in my 20s I really like this but now that I'm an adult and I've seen a lot more films and I can't turn my fucking brain off when I watch them because I'm always criticizing <laughs> because I'm a watcher of movies um, <laughs> um that there is something that is lost along the way and that and that is the emotional aspect of these characters relationships but um, so uh, anyway, as the story goes on, so so David is is deeply disfigured. He's in a coma for like almost a month, three and a half weeks, and they can't do any surgery on him because his like brain is swollen. Um, and man, I have to say that when he's like, I have these headaches so bad that it feels like something slicing through my skull. I have never had a headache that bad, but I've had them bad enough where I've thrown up from them. So I really empathize with that whole like terrible headache. Like I have these LED lights in my room and they can like fade to different colors. And one time I had a headache so bad that even though it was like a gentle fading, it was too much for me and it made me throw up. Oh my God. So, so awful. yeah. Yeah. No, it's not fun. <laughs> it's like, it's not fun. Um, Usually I can identify when I'm getting a really bad headache and I can prevent it. But I mean, with this, it's just like this poor guy has this horrible, horrible disfigurement. And, um, and that's when he's in the meeting with those, um, the uh, surgeons and, and they present the stupid mask to him. Like that's a better option. I mean, really, like, like I'm rolling my eyes here because I'm like, yeah, no, you know, you're right. Wearing a mask is so much less scary than seeing like a poor guy who is like disfigured. Um, yeah, I like that. So the underlying story of this that we really haven't talked about just to like lay the scene is that he inherited his parents like publishing company. Yeah, because they both died and like the board members, the seven board members, which he calls the seven dwarfs are like trying to find a way because he owns like 51% and they own 49%. So they're trying to find a way to like get this company from him. And so, so he like, after he wakes up from the coma, he sort of puts himself in, like throws himself into his work and everything. So they can't take the company away. And, and it kind of seems like he's, and he's like determined to see Sophia again because he liked her, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't 
really feel comfortable with himself. So he's kind of going through the motions to get stronger and everything. And he, but he's asking the doctors to like help him with his headaches and help him, you know, and, and then he finally gets up the nerve to talk to Sophia and she agrees to go out with him. And I thought that was a really sweet scene when he walks into her dance studio. Yeah. And, and I like how he's like, you won't believe it, but this is how I smile now. And it's yeah. like barely, and she's like, and, and she's an emotional person. So she's kind of like getting a little teary eyed and like brushing away tears, but she's, she clearly, you know, I mean, this one night that they had together, she clearly cares about him. Oh, oh, it's important to also mention that there is a scene where they meet in Central Park. Oh, I thought that scene yeah. was so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And they meet in Central Park and they're talking and they like kiss and stuff like that. And then he just gets like all of a sudden he just, he just like gets really weird and really cold and distant and just like walks away. And she's like, uh, what, 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 what just happened? Well, I thought that that, oh, what were you going to say? I don't know. I was going to say like, what did you think about the scene? Oh no, I thought, I thought 100% that that was a dream. Like I thought that he had gotten in the accident and he was now disfigured and he dreamed about that they would have been in a relationship together and he was, you know, like quote unquote normal and everything was fine. Right. And then she said something to him and it, he realized that it was a dream and it wasn't real. And that's why they backed apart. Cause right, right after that, he's telling Kurt Russell, like, my dreams haunt me. Like my dreams let me know that things aren't, aren't the same. Right. So I didn't think that that really happened. I thought that. No, I didn't either. Oh, okay. But I think it's important to mention because he, David is like convinced that he and Sophia have met multiple times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when Sophia invites him to go to this club, um, and she asked Brian Shelby to come along as like a, um, like a, what's that word? Not a chauffeur. Like a chaperone. A, um, <laughs> yeah, like a chaperone, which honestly, I totally, I totally understand why she would do that. You know, she's met this guy once. It's been a long time. It's probably been months and months since they've seen each other. You know, if not like, like half a year, you don't know. You know right. It's been a long time. They've only seen each other for one time. I would be totally nervous too. And um and he walks into the club with that fucking mask on. Yeah, like, that's, that's what not I was the getting at. Creepiest shit in the world. Yeah. Uh, and you know and I I I empathize with David because going from having a face that's you know a symmetrical nice looking face to all of a sudden like this super traumatic thing happens to you and now you're dealing with people who are like refusing to look at you when they talk to you like the guy who is the bartender you know and he is having feelings for this woman and it's his life has drastically changed so much not only does he dealing with these severe headaches but he's dealing with the repercussions of a society that has deeply deeply um, you know, values attractiveness almost over anything else. Even like, even like if you're a shitty person, you're like, well, you're good looking. So it doesn't matter what you've done, you know? Um, and going, just having this now completely different outlook on how he's treated as a person. It, it's, it's, in, it's incredibly traumatizing. I mean, I, I right. can't even imagine like 
of course he becomes depressed. Of course he becomes withdrawn. You know, if that happened to me, I would do the same thing. I mean, it's like, God forbid, like, you know what I mean? And I can't even imagine just the difference between his quality of life from before the accident to how it is after, you know, it's vastly different. But so yes, anyway, he's, he wears a, that creepy mask to the club <laughs> and Brian Shelby's like, dude, take off the fucking mask. Like, what are you doing? You know? And, um, and David, I think is very excited to see Sophia, but man, he goes about it a very weird way. Yeah. He almost goes about it. Like, like he was very raw and vulnerable to her when he came to her in the dance studio. And I thought that was a really nice moment. Like he asked yeah. her out and she said, sure. Cause you know, there was something between them, but then he comes to the club and he is wearing a physical mask, but he's also wearing like an emotional mask yeah. as well. And, and it scares her, like it scares Brian Shelby, but I think it also scares her because she doesn't, not only does she not recognize him physically, but she also just doesn't recognize him. Like he's not right. the same person that he was. And so I think her performance is, is really well done. I think I they think both so are like his is too. And so, and, and she's like standoffish. She doesn't want anything to do with him. And the whole time I was watching it in my head, I was like, why is he wearing that mask? Take the mask off. Yeah. Like be yeah. who you were in the dance studio. Because I think, in the dance studio, she could have fallen in love with him, even though he was, right. you know, like his disfigurement almost wouldn't matter. Like she right. could tell that she was ready to fall in love with him regardless of what he looked like. Right. But he didn't see that. Like we saw that as viewers, you know. And Right. Well, and I think too that it's a weird, I, I thought it was a very weird choice of a venue to go to. Like it's a very, it's a deeply like not intimate space at all. You're with hundreds of people. There's super loud music. And I thought it was weird too that like she would even choose that place or he would or whoever chose it because it seems to me like the loud music might really bother him with his headaches. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, um, I mean, I, like I don't even like my TV that loud because it bothers me so much. I'm, I am very sensitive to sound. So having someone who has headaches so bad that it like is it essentially like just lays him out for like days at a time. How is he going to be in a club where there's all these flashing lights, there's all this loud music, there's tons of people there. And it could have been, cho- she could have chose it because she was feeling very, um, you know, like kind of like iffy about the situation. She doesn't really know him. And she's like, well, you know, this is a setting where if I have to disappear in the crowd, then I can, you know? And so I I get why she would choose that. But I I also was kind of like, it, it did seem like when, again, like what you said, when they met in the dance studio, that they kind of had like a little bit of a moment, you know, she kissed his cheek and, um, and, and and it was just very odd, you know? Yeah, I thought it was odd as well. Um, and I agree with you. Like, I'm not sure why they would choose that venue. But I, I also understand why she would bring Brian because he was like the bridge between them. Like, you don't oh, yeah, have... for sure. With three people, you wouldn't have an awkward conversation because there would always be somebody who you could, like, sort of lean on, you know? Right. And 
and so so Tom Cruise or David goes and starts getting drunk at a separate bar, like a bar across the dance floor, and right? He's like drinking and drinking and drinking, and then he comes back and he is trying to be forceful and like talk to them and trying to act normal, but he's not acting normal because he's drunk and he had so like he seven to tequila shots or something. Yeah, yeah, it was like a ridiculous amount. Yeah, and he's like, "Let's start over again," and then he kind of like repeats. The thing, like, so he's been thinking about her probably since they met, and she might not be thinking about him like that, you know, like, you know, he's yeah, he's thinking about this whole scene, where where or this whole thing where they first met, and he's talking about you know Julie and and how she was like boring a hole in his back, she's staring at him, and but it's so, it's like what you said, it's so forceful and it's so over the top that she's like, okay, yep getting uncomfortable <laughs> yep. like trying to be nice because I'm a nice polite person but you're stepping over a line buddy and she's like gonna say something and he's like what what is it what is it and he keeps like pushing her he's like what is it and she's like no 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 don't don't never mind don't worry about it don't you know don't worry about it and um and he's like no what is it and she goes I'll tell you in another life when we are both cats which I always thought was a really cute line too <laughs> by the way um yeah. But his reaction is so weird. And he's like, oh, that's such a great, that's so funny. That's so great. Like, I'll tell you in another life when we were both cats. And she's like, I gotta go. <laughs> so, yeah, I think yeah. that he, I think that this was a good example. And I, I actually, I really like the dynamic in this scene because he is Julie in this scene. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He got in an accident he got injured he couldn't talk to sophia for a while he thought about her all the time i don't know if sophia from sophia's point of view i don't know if she knew that he got in an accident or if she thought he just never called so she right. probably like in my head it kind of seems like maybe no she said that she tried to see him okay but, yeah yeah so but yeah she but did he know. never he wouldn't let her in i guess because you're right she no no they tried to see him so they wouldn't like she couldn't visit him. Yeah, she, she couldn't visit, visit him because they they wouldn't let her her see him. So from her it perspective, it didn't seem like he wanted to see her at all. So she right. probably hasn't thought about him because why would she? He right. obviously made it clear that she wasn't welcome, whether through his people telling her or whatever. He never called her. And now he reaches out of the blue and he expects them to pick up where they left off. But she she didn't she doesn't think about him so right it's like a role reversal for him and he now knows what it's like to want somebody who maybe doesn't necessarily want anything to do with you and i right. think that's really interesting because i think his forcefulness is a really good way of showing that he's trying so hard to get them on the same page but he can't right and i think it's interesting it's interesting and it's and it's sad. And yeah. I think that she probably was maybe the first woman that he had this kind of connection to. Yeah. Maybe ever, you know? Yep. And that kind of connection is so rare. And when it happens, you want to hold on to it. You know, you want to cling on to it because you're like, I've never, I've, I haven't felt like this with anyone before. I haven't felt this emotional connection with someone before. And, um, but it's it's too much time has passed and too many things have happened and he's super drunk and I can get why she was like okay 
And so they're like walking home and she's like practically running ahead of them, you know? And, um, and that's when he passes out on the street and yeah. uh, And after that is when I started thinking, is this going to be like, is he truly like, this is, this could not be real. Like he might actually be in a coma. Like I know I mentioned it earlier. I was like, if he's in a coma, I'm going to be pissed. But then around this point, things started getting so like, like everything started working out. Like she woke him up on the street in the morning and she was like, oh, this is going to change my whole life, isn't it? And like her lines were like, like lines that you would read in like a romance novel a little bit and yeah like she's like this- i like the way you look i don't have a mother savior bone in my entire body yeah um, yeah and um, um then the, the surgeons like find a way to fix his face of course and so him and sophia are in this like per- perfect relationship the surgeons have fixed his face everything is idyllic and there's one scene where her him and sophia are walking down the road and i said well that's the bob dylan that's a Bob Dylan fo- um, album cover. They're copying so Bob Dylan. I didn't, oh, I didn't know that until they mentioned it later in the in the film. And I, so. I said it to Mike. I said, that's a Bob Dylan cover. And Mike said, oh, it's fake. She's not real. And he pretty much called it at that <laughs> point that that was. And I thought, yeah, that's a really good. That's that's probably smart. It probably isn't real because they're mimicking a, an album cover. Yeah, no, you're right. It's like It's like everything is just kind of gently falling into place. Everything is right. And they're having all these cute moments where they're talking about like, and then there's like the mole on her chest. Oh, yes. Saying that one. Yeah. Like he wants to come back and he wants to like come back as the mole on her chest, which is important to the story later. Yes. Um, And then he wakes up one night and he sees like his face is all messed up again, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and then things start, start kind of turning the other way and and things aren't right again so he goes to yeah so he wakes up in the middle of the night and he walks to the bedroom and he like gets in bed and Sophia is in bed with him and then he's like I had a weird dream and then he sort of wakes up again right and he can hear her talking like she's like making like sleep noises and he's like oh I could listen to those sleep noises and then he looks and it's not Sophia it's Cameron Diaz now it's Julie right. yeah and he freaks out and ties her up and he's like where's Sophia and she keeps saying I am Sophia but it's Julie not Sophia and it's right bonkers and then it is it's totally bonkers and then Um, that's when you find out that like well and all the like pictures on like Sophia's fridge they're like Cameron Diaz now they're they're all Julie so he's like what the fuck is going on you know he's like no like I've been with this woman that like this, you know, Spanish woman who's dark hair and dark eyes. And now all of a sudden she's blonde with blue eyes. Like this is not the <laughs> same person, you know? And, um, which I could imagine having, waking up to the person who caused, who's the reason why you're disfigured would be very terrifying. And I can kind of, you know, I can, I his obviously his reaction is is extreme, but I can I also of, understand why he reacted that way, you know. I kind of liked the idea that he has PTSD so bad, like the fear of being disfigured. I mean, 
I didn't 100% buy that they totally fixed his face, but I was on board with it enough where I was like, sure, it's a movie. Suspend disbelief. They fixed his face. Things went back to normal for him. Everything is fine. I can buy that he would have PTSD to, I don't want to be disfigured again. And as well as this woman is dangerous. So he would like think she, he saw her, you know, like, cause on one hand he is sort of culpable a little bit for the emotional trauma that, you know, I mean, like he's not responsible for her, like driving a car off the bridge, but he is sort, he did sort of have a hand in the things that, maybe caused her to get to that point in some capacity you know so he has like guilt over over that and he has and so seeing her would be terrifying and i like the idea of that ptsd clouding his brain so much that he would tie up the real sophia because he thought she was julie pretending right and so i kind of was like oh my gosh julie had kidnapped sophia but it, it didn't make sense because why would all of the pictures these duplicate pictures be suddenly julie when they were originally sophia right yeah yeah that's right. true yeah um no i like i like what you're you're saying about that because you're right he doesn't while he is not responsible for her actions of driving off of a bridge he is kind of responsible for um her kind of having a little bit of a breakdown because he's being a dick over it you know i mean there's not it's he's like using and then just discarding and um but anyway so so back to to back to that so then he's that's when he's imprisoned for the first time which i was like enraged when timothy spall was coming in there and he's like no they took care of everything like no one's gonna know and i was like fuck this guy this guy doesn't get to get away with beating the shit out of his girlfriend and just have it swept under the rug you know so like it's just it's so it's so fucking typical of like chris brown or sean penn you know like men who have aggressively beat up their girlfriends and just walked away totally unscathed and i know what no go ahead I know that it's like, it's fiction, but it it was enough where it's like, so this guy has enough money that he can just be like, oh, she doesn't matter. Who cares? Who cares about her? I mean, who cares that she was beat up and this is going to affect her for the rest of her life and probably any future relationship she had, because why would she trust men after someone beat her so thoroughly that she loved, you know, like it, 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 it is just astonishing to me. And it felt so relevant to like things that are going on in this world. And I know that this movie came out like 2001, but it's just amazing that like things, it's been 19 years and things haven't really changed. You know, like they've changed, things have gotten better, I think, kind of ish. I mean, I guess maybe like have they? (laughs) But at the same time, it's still so relevant it's still so relevant to the things that we're seeing nowadays where it's just like you have enough money and you can beat someone up and it's just going to get swept under the rug because you know what you're super rich so it's it it pissed me off that part really pissed me off I was a little bit confused um in that part because I mean once you see the end of the movie it sort of makes sense I agree with you also I agree with you but I was also 
very confused because Timothy Spall said Sophia's not going to press charges. And I thought, like how someone like Sophia wouldn't press charges. Like, right? she's, that's why he liked her was because she was fiery and independent. She thought for herself. So I didn't really understand why she wouldn't press charges. Right. And, and that, like, didn't quite make sense to me. And then I thought, well, maybe she's, like, she has a heart of gold and she knows that he's like having PTSD, but that still doesn't make sense why everyone's just okay with it. Like the lawyer and the board, they were all just like, okay with it. And the police and the only one who wasn't okay with it was Brian. Like Brian was an upstanding guy who was like, you know, like you're a terrible person. You're not my friend. You know, like Brian picks him up from the hospital, but not or from the police station, but not because they're like bros. It's because, you know, like yeah, he's just like doing the only duty. part where I really liked Brian Shelby was when he was like, "You're an awful person, and this is the last time we are ever going to speak." And I was like, "Yeah, you. yeah." You. And I yeah. think we should also note that, like, throughout the movie up to this point, there's like weird little things that he sees. Like, there's this like D storyline about this dog that was frozen in ice, and who they yeah. found like three months later and and unfroze him and revived him so this there's like these television commercials or like a documentary about this like cryogenic freezing company and i didn't put it together i i did say however i said this makes me think he's definitely in a coma because they're like saying benny was frozen for three months like multiple times i said so is he gonna wake up from like a three-month coma or something you know so there's a little bit of like they're leading you in a certain direction with this, like these tiny little snippets of Benny and the crowd yeah. freezing company. And then there's like the, another actor um, who shows up randomly in different situations. Like he was in the hospital. Taylor. Yeah. He was in the hospital when he um, was getting it fixed. And then he was in like a, a bar and he was like, Noah Taylor. Yeah. Is that what you said? Noah Taylor? Noah Taylor. Yeah. And um, he was in the bar and he's like talking to David and he's like, David, you're freaking out. You just got to calm down. And, and you're like, who is this guy? What's going on? Something weird is happening, but you're not quite sure. And then yeah. Sophia's not going to press charges. Why? I don't know. <laughs> well, and there's um there's a, a program that Sophia's watching when they're like hanging out that one night where it's, she's like, I've seen this 46 times where it's like about people who get uh, cryogenically frozen and like can then later be revived um and I also actually I'm glad that you mentioned that because I it was it was such a tiny tiny little scene and you might have not even noticed it but when they were fixing his face to make him you know like back to the way he was one of the doctors in the surgery mentioned the song borderline by Madonna and I was like curious that they would mention that so I looked up the lyrics and one of the lyrics are, feels like I'm going to lose my mind. You just keep on pushing my love over the borderline. And I was like, shit, that's relevant as hell. <laughs> huh, interesting. I didn't write. Yeah, I, I don't know the lyrics really that well. So I, I wouldn't have like done that deep dive. Right. The, yeah. Yeah. Because I was, I was familiar with the song and I knew that it was about, um, you know, like loving someone or something like that. So, but I was, I looked up the lyrics and I was like, huh, feels like I'm going to lose my mind. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> Which again, I probably would have not picked up if I had seen this for the first time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I was trying to decide. I was actually like trying to get over my anger that he was probably in a coma. And I, <laughs> so, and I was also trying to figure it out and trying to be like, no, no, he's not in a coma. He just has PTSD, which in my mind almost seemed better. Like just the fact that right. he's actually going crazy a little bit because I think that kind of would make more sense but it wouldn't make sense that they would fix his face so there's just a lot of things happening that you're like i'm not sure what's going on so well so and then, do you notice that people keep telling him to wake up too they're like david you need to wake up yeah like, yeah, yeah that's that's another thing and um so so then this like weird montage comes so david goes to sophia's house and he's looking at all the pictures and they're replaced by cameron diaz as you said and then Cameron Diaz comes out and like hits him over the head with a book because she thinks he's an intruder. Well, he's like trashing her apartment. He's, he's like, like looking for all the apart. evidence. Yeah, like all the clues, like because that picture that he drew of Sophia is now it's not Penelope Cruz anymore. Now it's it's Cameron Diaz. And then yeah, so she clocks him right in the head, and she's like, and like, oh, I love you, I love you so much. I didn't know it was you, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, leaves to go and get him, like, a cold compress. But then the next minute, it's, it's like, Penelope Cruz that walks out of the bathroom. And they have this kind of, like, I don't know, this, like, reunion moment. And so you're like, what the hell is going on? So he just beat up this girl. She's totally fine now. So she, like, does not look beat up at all. And you're like, what? <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and anyway, so go on. What were you saying? Well, then there's just this like bonkers sex scene where he's having sex with Penelope Cruz. They're making, him and Penelope Cruz are making love. And mm -hmm. then she switches to Cameron Diaz. Right. And it starts becoming like a frantic sex because he's so confused. And I thought like... <laughs> I mean, this is weird, but I thought, would he still keep having sex with her? Like, wouldn't he, like, <laughs> take a step back and be like, what is happening? But instead, he's just, like, he starts, like, mega thrusting. <laughs> and I was like, no, why would right. he keep, why would he keep having sex with this woman who he's so, like, it's like so this rotting, was... like, thrusting mo movement. Like, he's, like, like, he's very, like, it's it very, like. like like, it's not like a fluid like thrusting it's like a jerky like rutting like it was like he was trying to kill her by having sex with her almost. yeah it was yeah. weird and i kind of enjoyed the like descent into madness that he was uh -huh. experiencing but i couldn't i just i couldn't figure out why he would continue to have sex with her <laughs> instead of like taking like leaning back and saying whoa 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 what happened you know <laughs> right and then he smothers her with a pillow right and runs out of the apartment well no 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 it, it's important to say he he smothers oh yeah this is yeah this is cameron important. diaz yeah smothers her with a pillow which is like she's fighting him but then she just like gently caresses his cheek and dies and he's like wait a second something's not right here and he has like his arm over her chest and he slowly moves down his arm and then he sees that little mole yes and he's like i just killed sophia not julie i'm really yeah. glad you brought that up because i actually really liked that as a reveal like they, they I bring your too. attention to the mole earlier and then he's too afraid to lift the pillow and he just slowly yeah. looks at the mole and i think that's really cool really nice touch 
And it's like, it's nice to do it away so it's not gruesome necessarily. Yep. So you're not like looking at like this dead woman's face. Instead, you're like, oh shit. Because um, again, and I've said this many times before, but a good director will bring things in be for a reason there's not like not nothing is in there for no reason you know what i mean yep and um and you can really and like just just to kind of backtrack a little bit <clears throat> you can really see in the beginning that um the film kind of does predict the ending like when he's with sophia that night and they're watching that program um it pretty much like tells you the end of the film, which is great. I mean, that's a, that's what a good director does, <laughs> you know, very subtle. And uh, I can just think of, you know, a bunch of different directors out there. Just like off the top of my head, I'm thinking like Zack Snyder, like Man of Steel is like really terrible. <laughs> if I don't mention it every episode, yeah. I may die, Sam. <laughs> if, we if we don't say something bad about Man of Steel every episode, then we've got a problem. Yeah. So also... Um, I really like that. I agree. I love that reveal. But then it's interspersed back to like the um the the like interrogation room with Kurt Russell, and Kurt Russell says some really like weird platitudes, and so I started thinking like he might be fake as well because like he was saying just like oh, really think like some of the dialogue in, in like um in the middle when. David and Sophia had like a wonderful relationship. They were at dinner with Brian and him and Brian had like a really corny handshake that I thought seemed like, like a lot of the stuff seemed like when you're like 10 years old and you think, oh, I wish I had a best friend and we would do this. Not something that best friends actually do, but things that you would, would wish to do, you know? Right. So there were certain aspects of that that also made me think like, this is, this isn't real because the things that they are doing are not things that real people would do. Like real people right. are more complicated than like scripted dialogue or like a scripted. Um, I mean, I, I know it's kind of meta because it is actually scripted dialogue, but it's like within the movie scripted, scripted. No, no, no. Like, I, I get what you mean. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel organic and natural. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of started thinking like, this is like something is, is off. And then. Well, you it's important out. to mention too, that McCabe, um, like multiple times says like, oh, I have to go have dinner with my daughters or I have a wife and two girls or whatever, mm -hmm. um, which is important later. But uh, anyway, go on. Well, and then, and then Tom Cruise, David finds a way to like break out of the jail. No, and... no. He sees. Um, so after I think Michael Shannon, who's such a small part, and I was kind of disappointed at what a small part he was because Lord, like, Michael Shannon's such a great actor. Like, I was like, oh, what? That's it? I was like, damn it. I really like Michael Shannon. Um, and he's like, I think he's escorting McCabe out. And um, David sees the program that Sophia was watching about the life oh, yeah. extension. And that's when he's like, he's like, you know, slamming his hand on the, on the window. And he's like, and he's like, like, he says, like, life extension, life and that's when they they go to life extension. Yeah, you're right. That's how they get out. So they the yeah. three of them go to life the life extension offices. And then you find out from Tilda Swinton. I mean, this movie is like chock full of like small roles with like big stars. So you find out from Tilda Swinton that David 
paid for life extension to take him after he died. He committed suicide. Well, you find that out. Like, so you find out that David paid life extension to give him this like cryogenic dream, like this lucid dream. Lucid dream. Yeah. So he's like, he's dead, but his mind is like dreaming. So like everything that happened after he passed out on the sidewalk, like the, the night before Sophia woke him up and like, they started this like idyllic relationship that's when the dreams like that's when he chose for them to start this like dream so everything that happened was a lucid dream created by life extension but his psyche was starting to like play tricks on him and create and make it into like a nightmare instead of a good dream because of like a glitch in the life extension system well they i don't even think they blamed they never said it was the life extension system they were like no it's your mind like you're in control but your mind is the reason why you're having this nightmare experience. Okay, because the tech support guy was like, we fixed the glitches, so I don't... Oh. I'm not sure. Whatever. (laughs) Regardless, he was still getting a nightmare in some capacity. And so we learned that the guy that he saw at the bar, Noah Taylor, the guy at the bar, and the guy in the surgeon room, like in the... Yep. Is tech support. And Mike brought up a really good point that I have to bring up. And he said, why wouldn't tech support be in the movie more often? Like, why wouldn't tech support show up when he was, like, trying to, like, sex murder Cameron Diaz and be like, whoa, 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 David, take a deep breath. Things are spinning sex out. Murder. Like- <laughs> sex murder. <laughs> the best thing. I love it so much. I, I want to find a way to use that in my everyday life. <laughs> He's sex murdered. The name of, we should start a girl punk band called Sex Murder. Sex murder. <laughs> it's, perfect. it's perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with him. Like, why wouldn't Woo. tech support show up more? You know? Right. But, yeah. No, that's a that's a good that's a good question. Like, even if it was just like knocking at his door, like, I heard something going on here. Yeah. Um, do you need support or something? <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I, I would imagine that tech support is kind of more. No, you're you're right, though, because why would tech support be there when he's getting his face fixed? Yeah. He's like at the bar after, you know, like he's all frustrated and he's drinking. Um, it, it does seem kind of strange that the tech support wouldn't be in the prison or when he tied up or Cameron Diaz the first time. Yeah. Or something like any, you're right. Yeah. That, that Mike has a very good point about that. That's um, I, I never really thought of that, but that is a very good point. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, (sighs) So I have to say, I, I have problems with the ending. So the tech support guy says, 100 so he'd been he's been in this lucid dream basically for 150 years he committed suicide uh he took a bunch of pills life what was the name of it life extension extension yeah took his body put him in this lucid dream and and now he's on like the top of a building in new york city and the tech support guy is like you know you can choose you can go back into the dream and you'll forget all of this we'll wipe this we fix the glitches the dream will be perfect or you can go back to your real life. Like they can reanimate him and actually really truly fix his disfigurement and everything. Um, We can fix that. 
but your the funds that you have in the world that you'll be waking up to is very different. You know, obviously everybody he knows is dead. Oh yeah. And and it becomes so cliche for me. It becomes so cliche because also throughout the movie, there's a thread of him being afraid of heights. Yeah. So through this like convoluted means and like silly thing, like he set it up. So to wake up to normal life, he has to jump off this building, like overcoming his fears or he can, you know, go back into the dream. And I thought it would have been way more creative if he had been like, no, I want to go back in the dream. I want to be with Sophia. And I would have loved it if he went back into the dream. And then the very last scene was her saying, open your eyes. And then he had to be with her forever because that's slightly less. I I don't like the dream aspect. I don't know how I would have done it differently with him. Like being a dream. I mean, it's too much to think about, but if you're going to make it be a dream, if you're going to make it be fake, I would rather have him go back into the dream where everything is how he wants it but instead he was like he takes like this moral high road and he's like I'm gonna go back to real life and then he like jumps off this building and it ruined it for me because it was so fake him jumping off the building was obviously a green screen and I didn't because it's supposed to be very powerful this supposed to be a very powerful part of the movie like he's choosing real life over a dream but we have to look at this stupid like green screen behind him as he's falling and that yeah. really ruined it for me. I actually thought the same thing. Um again, in my 20s I liked that scene because it didn't look like a green screen. It looked <laughs> legit. Like but you know, 2001 and again I've mentioned this before, like you look at like um the first Pirates of the Caribbean and how the CGI is in that and it's it's so bad compared to what is nowadays that it's, I I agree with you. I think it's weird to me. Like why, why would I want to go to a future 150 years in the future where you have no idea what the, the the political social, you know, climate is like, there's going to be all this new technology. You're not going to understand anything. The dialogue has changed. I mean, just think about how the dialogue has changed. Like, with the things that we say nowadays compared to how it was a hundred years ago. Right. I mean, it's, it's completely different. It's yeah. like, you're going to always stand out and always feel isolated because you didn't grow up 150 years into the future. You grew up 150 years into the past. Yep. So why he wouldn't easily assimilate in, in any way or shape or form, he might always feel lost. He might always feel like I made the wrong decision. I made the wrong choice. And he was so happy with Sophia. Why wouldn't he go back into that world where he knows, like, that he's, he knows where that's, where he's going to be happy. You know, he knows that's where yeah. he's going to be. And not, a, not only that, but, like, we were talking about this, about this earlier, like, time travelers, which is obviously fiction, as far as we know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, time traveler, time travelers don't have the immunity to what diseases are out now or like if someone was traveling in the past they don't have the immunity to what things are were in the past or so if you're putting you're you're putting David into a world that's 150 years in the future and what if there's all these new diseases out there like yeah. you know like you know 150 years in the past HIV wasn't a thing you know right um coronavirus wasn't a thing it's like it's it's stuff like that where 
it it just doesn't seem it, it, it like life extension could offer that but to me it seems like they would be like you can but think about it this way your life's not going to be ever the same yeah you might even fit in and i think I, it's I, supposed to be i agree I, with you it's i i assume it's supposed to be an analogy for people who are like sleeping through life like wake up live your life choose choose to live your life every day but i don't care enough about that analogy to want him to want real life because of the reasons you just said like if you have this technology that exists just go back into the dream just live yeah. in the dream you know like this it's not about real life at that point. It's about this sci-fi technology where you can be in a lucid dream with the person you love forever. I'm not sure why he wouldn't choose that at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the analogy of, like, you know, don't waste your days because obviously, like, you and I, we don't have life extension, you know, so we do have to not waste our days. But I don't care enough about that message to need it jammed down my throat in a movie like this you know what I mean right. yeah <laughs> so, no I I totally agree it's um I totally agree it's it's a weird I think it's a weird choice to want to go into the future where you don't have any support you don't know anyone every every single person you've ever known is definitely dead like yeah. there's no chance that they're alive and even if they are why would they remember you 150 years into the future? Like, and obviously that's like, you'd be like 175 years old plus, but like, right. It's just, no, I know what you mean. It's, it's just the unrealism. I don't like when they like cut the unrealism with like some realism. I don't right. care about that. So yeah. Well, and there's something to be said about keeping it sci-fi. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I have to say, like, one last thing, I think, because we're pretty much at the end. I did like that they compared um, McCabe to Atticus Finch from oh, To Kill yeah. Mockingbird. Yeah. And oh. I was like, I was like, oh, <laughs> Atticus Finch. Because there's a, I've read this before that, like, people that have had, like, a poll come out about, like, who's, like, their ideal, like, father figure. And a lot of people say Atticus Finch is. So, it's interesting and and it's kind of true that he's kind of always been this like kind of like masculine ideal of like what you want in a father figure because he's very you know he works for um for you know human rights and for justice and stuff like that uh but he cares, I, I like, like he that listens they added to that his children yeah, yeah yeah exactly i think camera yeah. crow must must really like atticus finch because he mentions him in um almost famous as well so does he? Me, it's like a thread but yeah that's a good point that you brought up like they the tech support guy sort of shows david how things in his life were mimicked by movies and things they they like formulated his dream through like books and movies and characters and situations so that's why things felt unreal because they were right like so that was kind of neat yeah yeah so would you yeah, recommend um, this movie? Um, I would say, yeah, I would say I would, I would preface it by saying it is from 2001. So just put, you know, put that in mind. But um, overall, I think it's, I think it's a pretty decent film. I think it's an entertaining one. Um, if, especially if you like Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Um, yeah. So I would say, yeah. What would you, yeah. would you? 
I think I would. I think I would. I wouldn't urge somebody to see it, but I would say if you have a chance to watch it, watch it. The like we've talked about the human emotions, the human connections are really well done, especially the first act. Beautiful first act. Um, it's a little bonkers. It's not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I think it's 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 worth a watch. I think so too. I think mm-hmm. so too. Um, good, cool. So you can follow us on SoundCloud. You can follow us on Spotify and iTunes. If you like our stuff, please give us five stars. Tell people about us. We're awesome. We love you. We also want you to love us. <laughs> um, we're on. Uh, stitcher and google play and if you want to follow us on instagram it's watchers of movies and on facebook at watchers of movies and we also have a website which is watchers of movies.weebly.com and thank you so much to mike for our music it's awesome it's really great and you can follow him on twitter at you can follow him at the mike show 42 his name is mike myers thank you mike yep and That's it. Bye-bye.